podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by Tony Haggerty and Amy Canavan. Tony doing the little cough there. Um, you sometimes hear that, Tony, in the studio when you're listening to an album. Uh, no Gallagher always liked a wee cough before a big hit. Wonderwall was one of the, my favourites. But that was a genuine cough because you're not feeling great today. Neither is Amy. So thank you very much for getting involved in Monday's Bulletin. How was your Christmas, guys? I've not spoken to you since then. Very quiet. I've been self-isolating. And as you can see, a kind of Celtic dad reference. I've got the Valderick and Cardigan on. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Marcel Warham. And, How uh, many of those sold over Christmas, eh? Oh, plenty the of Ange- The Ange jerseys and Cardies. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a bag of Weathers Originals, Tony? <laughs> Sadly, I didn't. But no, really, jelly, jelly top tubes and all that. You know, because I'm a wee Wayne. Oh, Basically, brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. Uh, yeah, my wife's got it as well, so she tested positive the other day. So it's just, I've only been able to see MD, and that's kind of been the, the hardest part for me, you know. So that's I, a I, Self-isolation's an inconvenience. I said to many people, I, I'm very mindful of the fact that this time last year, families were ripped asunder and people mm-hmm. lost loved ones and all that. So to self-isolate for 10 days, is it's it's not a hardship. Uh, I just... Uh, my heart goes out to anybody that uh, lost anybody, uh, family members, uh, because of this. So, yeah, that's, it's fine. I'll, I'll be fine. It just takes its time. It takes the, the 10 days, whatever it is, and I'll be all right. You're soldiering on. It's affected, as you say, so many people. It affected Celtic on Boxing Day. We'll be talking all about that game. We'll be having a wee look back as well, Amy, on the rain, the six-month uh, reign of Ange Postecoglou we're in a new era and we'll be kind of rating that to see where we are where did we think we would be at this stage what surprises have we had along the way and we'll be getting as many people involved in the chat as we possibly can uh, you might be surprised to see us this week but we are going to be back every single um, day at 12.30 up until Thursday some pre-recorded material for you on Friday and Saturday to see you into the new year as well well, here we go. Let's go back to June. I wonder how Eddie Howe is being rated at the moment. Paddy, thank you for getting involved all year. 
Uh, you are a loyal fan of the show. Thank you very much for getting involved. That's where we started here, Amy. We started here with the breakdown of uh, negotiations with somebody else. And then in comes Ange Postacoglu. Um, and we've seen in the past about Celtic signing blank checks and Vim Janssen being the second worst thing to hit Hiroshima and all this kind of stuff. He was kind of treated, um, you know, with a wee bit of suspicion in terms of his credentials, was Ange Postacoglu. Um, how do you think he's done over the last six months? Has he rammed a lot of those words down people's throats, do you think? Absolutely, and more. Um you know, it's it's remarkable actually to really think where Celtic is right now. Um, and you know, if you offered this situation, I know people will talk about the league and that it is a bigger gap than you know than perhaps what many would like and what many deem kind of acceptable. But if you kind of give many of us this position, you know, the first trophy, the, the only manager to have won a trophy this season, you know, European football, doesn't matter what level of European football, European football in the new year after Christmas, and you know, still very much in a title race, there, there is no denying it, I, I, I doubt any certainty if I wouldn't bite your hand off at that, um, the job that, I think it, it's more so because the job that he walked into, you know, the the turnover of players that we, we have spoke about so often, but you know the club is an absolute mess from from top to bottom, and and, and I mean the top as well, um, the the very top. So the the turnaround the players that he's brought in, but also the players that he's rejuvenated, which I know we're well going to talk about, because um, that, that's probably one of, one of his biggest assets. You know, your Beatons, your Ralstons, um, they're they're new signings. You know. Um, it's, it's as good as a new signing. We used to bang on for years that keeping Tom Rogic was that was a that was as good a signing in itself. Or you know, keeping Dembele or keeping Edward that was as good as a signing. Um, but to to rejuvenate the careers, the Celtic careers of Ralston and, and Beaton, the journey that that Postecoglou took Celtic on is absolutely outstanding. And it, and there's no denying it. There's there's been low points, absolutely, because it's a rebuild. There's going to be a few stumbles along the way, but I I, I doubt any other Celtic fan would say that it's been nothing other than joyous. Um, you know, we've seen some utterly utterly fantastic football, some of the best football I've seen in in my Celtic lifetime. Um, some not so nice, but like I say, it's it's all part of the ride. It certainly is. Now, by the way, um, you two guys are suffering from COVID, so there might be some coughs and splutters. Well, you've not got COVID. I didn't wish that upon you, Amy. Um, what I'm doing is I'm I'm doing this in the wee studio and out in the big main studio out there is there is a soul event happening. So you might hear some soul music in the background. So I'm trying to mute myself. That's only happening until one o'clock, though. Uh, it could be a lot worse, though, Tony Haggerty. Now, something that Amy mentioned there, and I want to talk about this, actually, is we're in Europe after Christmas, right? And I think that every time you, you come into a new season, yeah, you want to qualify for the Champions League group stages. Of course, you want to be at the top table. But having European football after Christmas, I think, is something that you want as a prerequisite every season. That's the target. And then people are saying, but it's just the Conference League. Now, back when I was a lad, Tony, we had three European competitions, European Cup, UEFA Cup, Cup Winners Cup. So what difference does it make? Is it just the name of this tournament? That it's the third tier of European football, for me, it's still something that Celtic should want to compete in. And as fans, we should lap it up and enjoy it. Speaking of soul, Ange Postecoglou has been good for the soul, hasn't he? Good for every Celtic soul. Nice, myself, nice, nice wee segue there, Tony. I like that. 
I uh, I include myself when you said that people were sceptical. I was sceptical because I was invested in the Eddie Howe appointment because I thought it showed ambition at the time. And then I made the, I made the we wanted an appointment, not a disappointment. I wasn't saying that. And I just said that the fact that people hadn't really heard of him and what he did, and I said I would make my own judgments maybe five, six months down the line, i.e. now. And uh, yeah, and I... And I even said at one point, I think I, on, on one of the broadcasts, called him Ange uh, Pentecostal or something, which was a bit disrespectful, but I held my hand up at the time and said, yep, okay, that was disrespectful. But I did say I would make a professional and informed judgment once I seen him in action. I tell you what, I don't, <laughs> I'm glad we didn't get Eddie Howe. I really am. And I, uh, I applaud him yesterday because yesterday... He came away with a brilliant statement about fans and stadiums. It was his Jock Steen moment. Football without the fans is nothing. We didn't actually say those words because those words have been said. But he just happened to say, I don't know, what, you're watching a different football from me, mate, if you enjoy watching empty stadiums, fans make it and all that, you know. And, he, and every every utterance that comes out of his mouth, he just warmed to him even more. And I think uh, he, came, he flew halfway across the world for moments like last Sunday when he found that difficult to put into words. And if you listen to the managers, going back to your original point about European football, he wants to test himself against the best. There are some there are some real teams with European pedigree still left in the Conference League. doesn't matter what you call it. As you say, we're old money. We can remember the European Cup, the Cup Winners' Cup and the UEFA Cup. doesn't matter what European competition you're in. There's prestige attached to it. Ange knows that. And he wants to claim as many scalps and European scene as he can to make Celtic a big noise again in, in those in that arena. So I, I'm I'm firmly with a manager on it. No such thing as a, a tertiary European competition. It's a European competition. And to have us and still involved after Christmas is brilliant. Question at the bottom in the strap, how do you rate the job so far? It's monumental, bordering on miraculous considering what he inherited. And I eh, I think every Celtic supporter just sits back and go and do that, give him a standing ovation. Because, eh, yeah, and he's done it, he's done it himself. Came, well, I won't say he's done it himself, but he's done it without moaning. He's done it without any kind of backroom staff that he wanted to bring in. He took the guys that he inherited. And he's, he's as I said before, he's brought that kind of collective, that team ethic, and it's transferred to the players, not only the players, it's also transferred to the supporters. Six months ago, Celtic were a, a fractured, disjointed, dysfunctional family. This guy just grabbed us all together and went, we're in this together. We'll win together, we'll lose together, we'll draw together. To the point where a draw the other night against St Martin, you know, was, was a disaster. But that's what he wants. He wants that to feel like a disaster because he wants a he wants a team, he wants a unit, he wants a machine, and he's he's creating that as he called it his beautiful home, beautiful house. And as Amy alluded to there, you can see that you can see that everybody's buying what he's selling. Roderick's a player, the player that we all thought he had fulfilling that potential that everyone thought he had, beat on roasted plate yesterday, you know, and a and a and a, a, a and a wee tie that you thought might have been tricky, no problem. Swatted them aside, you know, tune out a Ralston. You get through that team. I mean, it's just, it's a team in unison. 
with this Australian man at the helm, Ange Postacoglu. I'll get his name right. I'll give him respect. And yeah, and in six months, I'm, I'm delighted he's here. I really am. Hi, I think we all are now. And um, with, with regards to what he's done, I mean, yesterday, uh, Kevin Graham and I kind of kidded, we weren't being disrespectful, that we're going into the game yesterday with uh, Shamrock Rovers left back playing left wing and uh, Scunthorpe's reserve striker playing up top. That's how we finished the game. But he's able to fit these players into his system, you know, so it becomes less Amy about the player and more about the system and how the system works. And that isn't being disrespectful to Scales because, by the way, Amy, I did suggest that he could play left wing back, did I not? You did, you did. And I've got a wee bit of stick for that, so that's my Tony Ralston moment, Amy. Right, <laughs> uh, because I thought, and we'll talk about the guys that came in and did well um, that we've not seen much of. We'll talk about the ones who came in maybe unexpectedly, like Barkas. We'll have a look at the experienced players who added a bit of metal uh, the revitalised players like Tommy Rogic as well. And then those signings, those core signings that were brought in that have hit the ground running and how important that's going to be in January to get a you know a core of players again. And I, I keep saying it, we need four of the same kind of standard. And it might seem a, a little bit kind of like, you know, for me, it could be a bit ambitious to bring in four players of the standard of Carter Vickers, Hart, Kyogo and Jota. If you do that, we've got a chance this season. Um, if we don't, we're going to be playing catch-up for, for most of the season. So we talk about the January transfer window as well. Brown Warrior, regular contributor to the show. Welcome back. You're watching on YouTube. I would rate him highly, com- highly competent, ahead of schedule and delivering results despite massive changes, heavy injuries and now COVID issues. Amy, how did you feel when you seen that team coming out? We'd heard mm. the rumours. We talked about them on the, the WhatsApp group, didn't we? About a COVID outbreak. Clearly, we were ravaged with COVID yesterday. Yeah, um, we did think there was kind of an outbreak. Um, the the rumours had kind of like, made most WhatsApp groups. Um, I don't think anyone really predicted, though, just how large the outbreak was. I think the, the biggest one for me was Callum McGregor. Um, I think kind of, even though it's, and just kind of said, you know, heart is actually an injury. I think many of us thought, right, he'll be out. Bain, Bain was another one. I'd kind of heard that, that he did have COVID. So I was a bit worried about who the who the goalkeeper was going to be. But for me, it was McGregor was the biggest miss because I just feel everyone else, not really replaceable to that standard, but you think, right, there's a, a man who can, can kind of, sorry, fill in to some kind of degree, but I think McGregor's like totally irreplaceable. So for me, that was a massive loss. And then it turned out probably didn't really miss him that much because that just shows you how big and how well near Beaton stood up yesterday. I thought his captain's performance was off the scale for, for Beaton's level. But yeah, it was a little bit of a shock. Um, you look at the back line, you thought, right, it's okay. It's a little bit mismatched, but you know, that centre half pairing still there and that's so important. But yeah, looked at skills obviously for for you, um, but, but it was a little bit disjointed, a little bit dismantled. But I think that just shows, like you say, as as you kind of said before, what the job that Postecoglou is doing, the fact that he's managing to put these players together who really, well, that's certainly the first time those eleven players have ever played together. Well, the first starts for for, for many um, shows you the kind of job that he can do. You know, putting McCarthy in. I'll, a lot of folk probably wouldn't have done that because they don't think that he's done enough so far. Barkas, that's totally, you know, scraping the barrel, really. This is a guy who doesn't even want to practice um, when there's fans in the stadium pre-match. Like, at least look like your half-baller pal. Um, 
But yeah, for for them to put in the performance that they did, it means they all believe in Postcoglu, doesn't it? I think so. And Michael picks this up, actually. Michael Fern, welcome to the show, Michael. I'm impressed by Andrew's ability to just slot players in and how the team plays is almost seamless. He's on top of his George. That, that's exactly what he's done, Tony, isn't it? He's got a system now. And he's, these, these components just all fit in. He's spoken about that, and he's spoken about the fact that the B team players know the system so that when they come in, it's not alien to them. So any player coming in, you know, uh, into the... The first team knows the system. And he said before, he's not changing the system. So if the players don't like it, the players won't be there. It's as simple as that. So it's not about adapting the system to suit the players. The players are having to adapt to fit his system. And he's adamant about that, that he's not going to change because that's the way he sees football being played. But you saw that team yesterday and you thought, you thought another St Mirren could be on the cards. But they made light work of that. They really did. And... Should have won by a more convincing margin than that. We'll talk about it, but they are still passing up glorious opportunities in front of goal, which come back, comes back to bite you sometimes. It did against St. Mern, didn't it? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. So it's something that, you know, possession starts and I'm I'm aware of the fact that Celtic won 3 one yesterday. I get that. But there are days when you're going to need a goal, I used to and you're not going to get it because of your profligacy in front of goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to be clinical. But I think Angie's been limping on to January to get reinforcements and guys that we hope who had a, a more ruthless and clinical edge because the manager's very much aware of it and he's touched upon it uh, a couple of times in his aftermatch stuff saying we need to be a bit more ruthless and clinical because Celtic are having something like 20, in, in excess of 20, and 30 shots at goal. And when you look at the ratio of conversion, it's not the best. So if you can have that many shots at goal, then surely you should be scoring a lot more goals. That's that's certainly the theory behind the, the practice. But uh, yesterday uh, I was worried for all of nine minutes until I bad I put them ahead. And then after that, and then I realised how bad St Johnston were. And I tell you what as well, talk about Tom Rogic, what a masterclass he gave on an absolute glue pot sand surface I mean it was he, honestly he could play with clogs on Rogic at this moment in time he is that good he's a cut above and and uh, ably assisted as Amy also said by Beaton mm-hmm. just think Beaton's hit a purple patch and it's no surprise that it's came under this manager is it because they just they're just buying everything that he says and they trust him they're trusting the process they're trusting him even young Joey Dawson coming in you know, wasn't in it a lot, but what he did, it was tidy, it was efficient. He was trusting the process. You could see he was, you know, he was doing what he was told, clearly doing what he was told, and really unlucky not to score at the end. I'd love to have seen him score, but was, wasn't was phased, held the ball up well, you know, played it out wide when he had to, kept possession, and it would have been easy for a young guy like that to lose it for the ball to bobble away from him or for just to be not on it, but he was on it because of the system. 
they all know that if they get their chance, then they're just doing the same things that they do for the B team or the B team training, only it's a step up. And he coped with it well. And I was uh, I was pleased for him. You know, it wasn't wasn't a, a marvellous contribution, but it was a it was a decent contribution and he should be pleased with uh, what he did considering he's come in for Kyogo. It's not a an unenviable task, let's put it that way. No, you're right. He comes in after about a quarter of an hour. How much do you know about him, Amy? Because I know you uh, are very, obviously, invested in that particular league that the, the Colts are playing in. Have you seen much of Dawson up, up until yesterday? Yeah, um, I'll be honest, and I've said it to, the, to you guys as well, out of what I've seen in Celtic, Joey Dawson wasn't a standout for me. Um, you know, I think... Owen Moffat arguably has been um, Owen Moffat, sorry, but for for me it's been it's been young Rocco Vata. I think he's been absolutely superb, and it's a real real talent Celtic have on the, on their hands there. He is still incredibly young, you know, he's sixteen, um, but he, he is outstanding. And from what I've what I've seen of him, which which is a fair bit to be honest, um, absolutely superb. But Dawson scores the goals, but it's because of the work that Moffat and um, and Vata are doing on the wings, and that's why I think so many people did think Dawson would make that that step up probably in the first team a little bit sooner because you see, right, he's scoring the goals. But his actual work rate, is nothing's nothing's wrong. Um, but I, I would never have said that he is the actual standout. I just think he's always he's in the right place at the right time, which, to be fair, you, you have to be. Um, but, yeah, it is great to see the guys in the from the Lowland League, the B-side, um, make that step up. It's definitely been tricky for them. There's no denying that. They're coming up against, as I'm pretty sure we said it last week, you know, they're coming up against 30-year-old men, like proper men, who really want to lay one and leave one on them because they're like, well, I'm not getting beat by this kid. Um, and that's kind of the nature of what the division is when they come up against the Colts. But to, to be able to make that step up, which is a massive step, in fact, it's a leap, um, is absolutely outstanding. And yeah, I thought, I thought Dawson was, was solid yesterday got again in the right places at the right times and he deserved that goal um, I think that would have been totally magical you know it'd be the first B team player to then kind of to score for the first team but it's shown a little bit of a pathway which as much as I can say what I want and that I don't believe that the B side should be in the Lowland League from a Celtic point of view then if you're now actually getting to see a little bit of a a pathway that they can get into the first team, then it does make sense. I think this time last year when the rumours were kind of coming around about it, I just didn't really see whatsoever how there was going to be that pathway because you're like, well, there's not been that pathway over the last few years, so how is there all of a sudden going to be a pathway just because they're playing in the Lowland League? But I think that comes with the turn of manager as well. You know, when Postacoglu first came in, he spoke before how much he likes to inject youth and it's all about within the own club's academy. And he's definitely making use of that, even you know, making sure that the B, the B team players are going up and training with them a lot. You know, right at the very start, he, he brought young Dane Murray in right away. Brody Patterson was in as well. Um, Mullen, uh, Ryan Mullen, the goalkeeper. There was quite a few who were just getting used to that to start with. And they have the flitted in between. Um, and, and I know he's in regular contact with Tommy McIntyre as well. And I think it, a lot of credit has to go to Tommy McIntyre because at the end of the day, he's still, you know, he is the manager of this B-side, but he is totally and utterly trusting Postacoglu and sticking with his plan and injecting that into into the B-side so they are first team ready. Um, and, and that's not a tricky, sorry, that is a tricky thing to be able to do, to be balanced, to be able to, you know, make sure they're first team ready, but also they need to be able to go out and win their own games, which, which they are managing to do. But the fact that that pathway has been able to be presented through Moffat, 
you know, Doc was on the bench yesterday as well, and now Dawson. It is it's proven its weight in gold now. Yeah, it is. We've seen a few of them, as you say, Murray, being another example of that, uh, Moffat and Dawson. This is meant to be a one-season. It's a one-season agreement at the moment. What, what's your feeling on it, Amy? Do you think it's something that will move into a more long-term arrangement with promotion, etc.? Although, you know, I don't think it's been a bed of roses, particularly for the Celtic B team down there. But um, at the moment, they can't. if they were to win the league, they wouldn't get promoted. Uh, do you think there will be a more long-term plan after this season? Um, I think they'll definitely push for it. I think both club sides will, will definitely try for it, or B-side, sorry. Um, it's really, really tough because obviously within the pyramid system, it just totally defies the integrity of the of the pyramid system if they're just allowed to, you know, kind of leapfrog into the lone league in the first place. Really, if, if it goes to promotion, if they want to be able to get promotion, they should go right down to the very bottom again. Um, you know, below the lone league, so it'll be down in the west of Scotland um, and work their way up through that. But I think I think there will be a push for it. Right now, it's all kind of quiet on that front. Um, I think the biggest news right now is obviously the fact that the derby on the 31st has managed to be uh, postponed for, for them because Rangers obviously didn't want... Well, they want, the whole point for, for Rangers was obviously the fact that both B-sides, the, the young players are supposed to be able to experience a large crowds, so that's why the game's been postponed because obviously Lone League is, is, is capped to 500 fans right now, but uh, there's a lot of furore down there because obviously Bonner yesterday we had to cap it to, to 500. We have much more than 500 fans week in, week out. Berwick are the same. East Kilbride pulling around five to 600 as well, so the rules of evidently being bent for both the B-sides just for, for the Derby. So that's kind of the, the talking point right now down here. Um, but no denying it, between now and the end of the season, there will definitely be another case for promotion to stay in the league, to extend. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't I actually wouldn't be too surprised if, if anything came to fruition. We will get your reaction if and when it happens, Amy. Um Keep coming in with the comments. We're going live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch and Twitter. David Bradley, I can't believe the job Andrew's done. It's bloody marvellous. What a guy. Back him, Celtic. We are going to be talking, Tony, about the January transfer window because, you know, I totally agree with that. Back the guy um, in a big way. I mean, I'm saying we need the, the core of four. You don't, you don't buy four players and all four of them work. That's very rare. I mean, if you want four to work, to the same kind of level as the four I mentioned previously, you're probably going to have to buy six or seven. So is that going to happen in January? That's unlikely. John Sweeney, I would give him a nine out of 10 so far with the mess he came into and extra marks for not having his own background team and putting up with the, with the board. Yeah, you get bonus points for putting up with the board, that's for sure. Um, does anyone have an update on how Jota is doing? Well, if you do, fire it into the comments section and we'll bring it up. We've got some comments coming in, Brown Warrior, good health, absolutely, yes. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people on holiday at the moment, mm-hmm. so you're maybe enjoying a wee soiree at this moment in time whilst watching the bulletin. Or you might catch up later on. Um, good afternoon, troops from Lanky67. And here's one from Facebook, because we don't get as many comments coming in from the other platforms. And that's just to say, Tony, you're tremendous. So that's fair enough. Let's have a wee chat about Angie's okay. mentality. Um, and we look at the, the squad at the moment, decimated by injury and illness. And here's a wee quote from Ange. We just keep doing our thing, winning games of football and not worrying about these other things that can potentially try to derail us. How impressed have you been with the unbreakable mentality of Ange Postecoglou, Tony? 
Oh, yeah, he's tremendous. That's the bottom line. I, uh, you know, he was asked yesterday, you know, before uh, the game kicked off about his team. And he just said to the guy, look, no excuses. You know, we just roll with it. So I'm not going to bleat about, you know. And I just thought, and he's been, that's been the kind of drum he's been beating all season, that kind of mantra. And, and he's, he's drummed that into the players. Look, you have no excuses for no one in football matches. I prepare you the best way you can. You are talented footballers. That's why you're playing for this club. They go out there and do what you do best and win football matches and and, and not have any excuse not to win. He can't win them all. He accepts that. But if they do the things that he wants them to do and they believe in the system that they play and, and the training and all that that prefers them for it, then they'll win, they'll win more than they lose. You know, the Superman game the other night, right? you know, a black didn't they play great? It, it happens, you know. So fine, but it's still a two-game swing, isn't it? Regardless if it was four points or six, it's still a two-game swing. So you're still in the same situation. You're still on the coattails. Can't afford to really slip any further behind. But it's still in your own hands if you win all your matches and hopefully, you know, I don't think Rangers have had any kind of blip. A serious blip so far, so it happens. Teams will have a a fallow period at some point in the season. So yeah, I mean, I think the the, the job he's done and just the way he's galvanised everybody because we were at such a low ebb coming into this season. Mm. You know, you, you'd written off European football. You were like, it doesn't matter what we do in Europe. We're certainly the Champions League. And from the moment the BBC guy Liam McLeod said that's catastrophic, and he said. Choose your words carefully, mate. Catastrophic to me means the end. This is not the end. This is the beginning. He thought, wow, this is a guy who's not going to take any any garbage or any crap. He, and, and he was sticking up for the team, sticking up for himself. And I thought, wow. So from that moment, you were like, all right, that was impressive. Big guy, got any more? More of that? And he has all throughout the season. And he, and he doesn't shirk a question. And also as well, you're talking about bringing players in you know, four minimum if he gets five or six, but you trust his judgment, don't you? Mm-hmm. You would trust his judgment if he said to you, can we get this, these six players, or five players or four, whatever. The board should turn in and say, brilliant, because Kyogo's the one you know for a fact. It's his signing. You know, people question the rest, but that on that basis alone, he knows, he knows world football markets, he knows where those players he even said it himself, at one point, there's, there's great players in Iran as well, and he didn't want to say too much, didn't he? You know, that kind of thing, South Korea, which I thought was quite funny. But And he's got that great droll sense of humour as well with the delivery sometimes. And, you know, mm-hmm. when, when he calls you mate, you're anything but, all that kind of stuff. But you have just, from the moment he came in, you are warm to him so much. And a bit like the players, who were probably like, OK, what, what, what's he got? And you can understand why he's been the most successful manager in Australia and Japan, you know, over a period of time. You, mm-hmm. You're now getting it. Because you, you went away, you studied, you did your homework, and you thought, all right. But now you can understand it. And as I say, last week uh, last week was just brilliant for him. It was If there was one person I was delighted for in Hamden last week, it was Ange. It just at that moment when he's holding the trophy and, and you just knew... He was like that. This is why I'm here. I want more of this. You know, this is why I've flown halfway across the world 
I want to be a success. I want people to see me a success with a world-renowned football club, not people to just dismiss the successes that he had uh, over the other side of the world. Yeah. You, you, when you're talking about the swing, Tony, and I'll come to yourself, Amy, about this, 25 points was a deficit. That was the gap. Um, we're currently sitting six points behind, despite everything he's had to deal with, despite the illness, despite the injuries, uh, the loss of certain players who would have contributed uh, to Andy's team, particularly Ryan Christie, it's got to be said. And with all that in mind, he still managed to get us to where we are, um, and that has involved, at times, playing players that wouldn't be anywhere near Angie's preferred lineup. You know, but he's had to do it. You mentioned Dane Murray. Dane Murray's one for the future. He shouldn't be making his debut in a Champions League qualifier. But that is the situation he was faced with. He's dealt with it. He makes no drama uh, of that. He makes no excuses when, when he's got quite a few excuses to make. And there's a mentality here where we have been galvanised. And it's such, talking about a point swing, I think the mentality swing from last season has been astonishing. When you look at the mentality, people were actually questioning the Celtic's mentality. Uh, were they sick of winning? I mean, that sounds absurd. I mean, at one point that was suggested, maybe they're sick of winning. Wow, that, that's incredible. How impressed have you been with that swinging mentality from last year to this campaign? Massively, and that's a, a key factor and I think why everything's going so well because they have the belief in, in Postal Coglu, what he's implementing, you know, his style of play, his mantra. Um He's, he's got confidence brimming again. Um, and it's it's kind of crazy to think, because like you say, this time last season, we were all kind of a, extremely worried as to exactly where Celtic were actually going to go, because the, the I think the hunger was certainly gone. Um, and, and I think there will be many factors as, as to why. Different for every individual player, perhaps the hunger in the Scottish game was gone, the hunger at Celtic was gone, the hunger in their own career was gone as well. Um, but it's Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. There is fighting for the cause again. You know, I think every player who steps on at the park wants to win. There is a will to win. Um, and I don't think that was there for, for large parts of last season, uh, especially towards the end. I think that's obviously well, why the, the deficit was, was so big as well. Because um, I just think the heads totally have, uh, have went. I think this time last year, there were still some fans that thought, you know, after... And after the winter break, that you know it wasn't dead and buried, but I think the players kind of almost thought it was dead and buried, and the, the belief was certainly gone. Um, and like I say, even though you know six points isn't isn't ideal, there's still such a belief, certainly amongst the players. Um, it, it appears that way anyway. 
Postacoglu's not got that much of a concern by all accounts um, and it's very much just focusing on yourself. I think there was too much looking elsewhere last season but yeah, the mentality shift and, and it plays into the fans as well, doesn't it? It makes you believe more um, it all kind of, you know, filters down because you're like, well, if, if they care, we care, um, we always care but it makes you care more because you think, right, well, at least we're investing in, in the right people and in, in the right thing and the right you know, ma- mantra. So the whole feel around the club is just extremely good right now. I think there was a lot of overreactions during the week um, after St Mirren, especially considering what the reactions were after last weekend. Um, I think, you know, that you talk about a pendulum swing and that was just crazy, some of the reactions uh, during the week. It's far from ideal, but it's Tony said it's still that two-game kind of swing anyway. So it's... it's it's not great, it's but it's still it's a it's a point, you know, it, it wasn't a defeat. But yeah, the I think the the general feel around the club, if you get rid of that knee jerk kind of reaction, I think everything is going well and in, in, into the new year. You know that that's interesting you bring it up, Amy, because I was really I mean, I covered both games, of course. The Hibs, brilliant, elation, everything like that, celebration, and then against St. Mirren, complete disappointment, right? You know, it was just a dig in the ribs again, you know, one step forward, one back. We're not uh we're, we're not getting any closer to Rangers. But there's there's one thing I would say is I'm trying, uh particularly on the post match, to to try and remove a wee element of that uh, emotion out of it because you can become a wee bit, you know, reactionary after the game, and I know it's called the post-match reaction, by the way, but you can become reactionary where, whereby oh, Mikey Johnson's murder and Starfelt's murder, and you can start thinking like that as a fan. But like you say, mate, I don't think that was our reaction to the St Mirren draw after the game. I think we were very balanced. Um, I don't know if you can hear there's a party obviously going on. <laughs> there. there we go for those watching us. Um but we try to be as balanced as possible. But then what I noticed on the comment section was that people are saying you're not being hard enough on some of these players. So it's a it's a balance to strike, Tony. You have to try and be as balanced as possible. I look at a player like Mikey Johnson, for example, 22 years of age, thought he had a good first half, poor in the second half. People are writing him off. That's that's the fans' right, you know, if they've got an opinion on a player. But I just thought it was a bit vociferous on, on that young player. He's part of this team. He's part of the process. He's part of Angie's squad. And Angie obviously rates him. So, yeah, he didn't have his best game. But, you know, I just think we as Celtic fans generally have been a more patient fan base than most in the past. Is that is that something just born out of frustration of being at the game maybe for a whole year? And it, but What's your take on that, Tony? We are a more patient fan base and we do like well, young players. We, we're just desperate to see everybody that pulls on a Celtic jersey do well. You can't all do well. And people have their opinions, some are strong vociferous opinions, I include myself in that. But my opinions are always based on they're, they're, they're professional and there's logic to them, there's sound reasoning behind them. I don't just say things for the sheer hell of it and leave it suspended in midair. You know, it comes from a position of watching football all my working life. I'm not saying I, I know everything about it, because plenty of people say I don't. That's fair enough, and that's their opinion. You know, so, but you, you can't be castigated for giving an opinion on, on footballers because this is what you come on a pod to do. I do it as a journalist as well in, in my profession. It's what I do. So, and it's my opinion. I've constantly said this. 
I see football through my lens and my prism, my four eyes, if you want to be facetious about it, you know, okay, whatever, doesn't matter. You know, oh, you're short-sighted, you're myopic, you're this, you're that. Great, fine. But it's my thoughts. It's my game. It's, it's the way I see If you're seeing something we know fans and you're watching a different game, you, you will watch a different game from me because this is the game that I watch. So when I have a goat players, then that's fair enough. I'm perfectly entitled to it. But this whole and I went it was more prevalent last season. It's this whole form of I said online Celtic fan cannibalism where you make a point and then somebody jumps down your throat and then there's a pylon for de- for deeming to have an opinion, you know, your opinion based on XYZ, based on fact, based on professionalism. You know, I'll continue to do that. People will continue to dislike it and jump down your throat. But it's only an opinion. There's no right, there's no wrong here. It's your opinion. And I think most Celtic supporters are pretty respectful. They're respectful of opponents, they're respectful of each other. But there are some who you're just not allowed to voice any particular opinion without them moaning or going mental or or seeing that you have a, a personal agenda. And I'm pretty vociferous about Mikey Johnson. I get that. And everybody knows my feelings about Mikey Johnson. I'm not saying he's a bad footballer. What I'm saying is I just don't think he's cut out to be a Celtic footballer. He could be a good footballer somewhere else. I can't labour that point any more than I have. I don't have a personal agenda against Mikey Johnson. I just I just think that's, that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. People can see it differently. They can see the player in it. They can tell me this, that, and the next thing. I'm just not seeing that. Whether it's because I've got four eyes, I don't know. Maybe. But it's my opinion, and I'm not going to change it. But I'm not not having a go at the guy. I'll be the first to turn and say, he did very well. But I based up the other week I gave you a stat. He played 17 times, zero goals, one assist. So I wasn't just plucking out of my day and saying, he's garbage. Did you see Alan's stats? He's never played three full 90 minutes in a row in his career. Yeah. Well, there you go. So that tells you something, doesn't it? Why, why is that? And I know he's been injured a lot. I think right. it's his physicality. I think that's a massive part of it, Tony. I've mentioned that previously, you know, the, the Christie comparison. He went away and sorted it out. Uh, Lewis Morgan didn't, and he had to move on. I can see Johnson going the same way. Christie went away to Aberdeen, bulked himself up and played a season of top-flight football and was a star in that team. Maybe that's what it's going to take for Mikey Johnson to go to a Hibs or an Aberdeen and become a star and come back. Because at this moment in time, when, when Ange eventually gets his team, no injuries, no no barring uh, anything else, a clean bill of health, then Mikey Johnson doesn't feature in that team. I think even more so or less so, uh, as the point will be, once we bring in the three mooted transfer targets, because... Yes. Everybody that he wants, and he gets a the whole shooting match, the full squad to choose from, Mikey Johnson doesn't feature in that team. He'll be struggling because two of them can play left wing. And so can Liam Scales, by the way. Just want to throw that in. Lanky67 on YouTube. I was at the game on Boxing Day working. Seen a few articles in the papers. I'm bringing this up. Very important point that Lanky makes. Uh, there were some articles saying that Celtic fans stormed the gates and were fighting with the police. That didn't happen. I noted with interest uh, Celtic's SLO coming out on Twitter and saying that. I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday. Amy, basically saying that didn't happen. So there you go. 
Um, I mean, the facts get kind of lost uh, in social media at times. Uh, people say things, they just say things, and uh, people believe them. Uh, but the facts are completely different in this case. So thanks for bringing that up, Lanky. That didn't happen. There was a few Celtic fans at the game. You saw them fair play to them, uh, waving the banners off on the, the players of support. And the, the police spoke to them. There was no hassle. And uh, the SLO has put that right. So thanks for bringing it up. Michael McDonald rates Ange as an 8 out of 10 so far. That's fair enough, I think. Uh, Jim Kerr, wonder if it's the Jim Kerr. Amsterdam Shamrock, I don't know who that is, but a big shout out to Amsterdam Shamrock. We are so far ahead of where we should be considering the bin fire he <laughs> walked into. Well, he did. And one of the biggest criticisms that we've had or we've heard this season, is around his inability to adapt. Well, I saw a team yesterday that was adapting uh, because we've seen, what, your, your 4 one 2 three formation, if that's what it is previously, uh, switching to uh, a 4-3. What was that? A 4-3 what? Yesterday? I thought it was a 3-5-2. 3-5-2. 3-5-2. 3-5-2. Skills on the left. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, so... on the right. So he changed it. So I wrote that it was a kind of eighth wonder of the world because he did switch to three five two. Yep. Because it was a need must kind of day. And it, and they'll all look comfortable with it. What I'm going yeah. to say to you though, Tony, what I like to look off for the 13 or 14 minutes that we saw, and it might have had a big bearing on a badass performance, two up front. How old fashioned is that? Two strikers playing up front. And the two strikers were, of course, Kyogo and Abara. Is that something we might see a wee bit more of during the season once Kyogo comes back to fitness? I liked what I've seen in the short space of time that I saw it. Is that to me or Amy? Yourself. All right. Because Amy hasn't spoken about it. Do you want to answer that, Amy? Um, I'll go first then. Well, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope so. I Over like... to you. Over to yeah, you. I like Top Top. Um, I don't... You don't see it a lot at Celtic. I don't think... Well, certainly... I'm, I'm... In my lifetime, I've not seen it an awful lot. Went with over the past decade, it has really kind of been one up top. So many calls when it used to be Dembele and Edward get them both up top. Um, I think kind of the most most enjoyable was Hooper and Stokes, but even then Stokes kind of drifted out onto the wing mm. a little bit more. But for a while, or it could be Hooper and Samaras as well. But that's the only time there's really right now that springs to mind of being two up top. I like it. I think especially when Celtic should be scoring five, six goals against most teams in this division. You know, get goals, get goals, get goals. You're playing against teams that have not the best defence. Um, and I think as the top team or one of the top teams, whatever it may be, set over the last decade, it's been one of my biggest frustrations at Celtic that mm. I know sometimes it doesn't always suit and it's not as simple as just getting two. But I think over the years when we have had two, I used to bang on, I'd like Dembele and Griffiths, I'd like Dembele and Edward, I'd like Griffiths and Edward. There was a period of time where I felt, why can we not just have the two of them on and let's just like run ramp run rampant at um at the, at defenders and against teams and you know totally put them put them aside. Um that was really well put Amy. But I I just I'm a big I'm a big advocate for, for two up top and I think you should have went to Tony on that one because I've not made a very good point but I'll go for two up top. Put them, you know, put them to the sword. Put them to the sword. That's what we could do. If you know your history, Paul, Celtic function better with two up top, don't they? Well, you, you think, I, I sent you a few during the week, the partnerships. Yeah, always the partnerships, eh? Nicholas yeah. McGarvey, Nick, uh, 
Nicholas McCluskey. McLaren Le Petit Mert. Yes, yeah, that kind of stuff, you know, and Larson, Sutton, Sutton. De- Dixie Deans and Dalgleish yeah, was, was a fair partnership, yeah. So, in, as I say, if you know your history, you can point to any kind of era in Celtic history where they, they had two up top and there was a partnership. And it's funny that, see, if you have a partnership with two up top, you tend to score goals with it, don't you? Funny that, eh? I always talk about my old man a lot because my old man knows a lot about football. knows more than me. And he ran an amateur team. Well, he's ran football teams all his life. He always told me there's only one formation in football. It's a 4-4-2 <laughs> if it's done properly. Mm-hmm. And he said that's the only way you score goals, by feeding two guys up front and doing it right. And he was pretty highly successful in the amateur game. And uh, so, yeah, in, turn, in, in, in terms of speaking about well, you see more of it, then it's over to Ange. Mm. But they cut a swathe through St. Johnson pretty easily yesterday. Yeah. The only, the only downside was the fact that they didn't score a lot more goals, but that was playing with two strikers. It, it certainly gives them food for thought, doesn't it? And the, the great thing for me was that it showed that he can adapt and will adapt if he really, really, really needs to. Yesterday, he really needed to because you looked at that team and then you looked at the bench and you thought, Oh, oh wow, either either sharp and take once he gets everybody fit and back and players in, then he'll 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 do what he does. But at least he knows they can play it. You know, and that's a team that, as you say, had very little preparation time. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see a team that are prepared and drilled, maybe in a kind of four four two setup. Because I, I think, as you said, you could put teams to the sword, you could pummel teams with two strikers the way he wants to play. But in the manager, you trust that. I'm not going to tell him what to do, but at least he knows that it can work because it worked at a tricky venue where you thought they might stumble. You know, it, it didn't work at Simon, but as you say, there was a kind of hair-on-fire attitude to dropping two points against Simon, but that's going to happen. It'll happen to Celtic this season. It'll happen to Rangers. So, you know, it's it, it's one of those things. You know, they, they, they weren't particularly great. You move on. You just have I've, to, you know, I've said this, you know? this season, Tony. In the last five years, Celtic have had a, an invincible uh, league campaign, uh, as have Rangers in the last five years. But these two teams that are vying for this title are not at that standard. Now, we know that. We've seen it this season. There will be drop points. Mm-hmm. St Mirren, away from home, when they're, you know, they're down a few players... You would expect to win it, of course you would. But in terms of the reaction to that, what you try and do is you just still try and analyse what you can take from the game. Um, And that's what we try to do. Now, I'm going to have a wee look at this because the games that spring to my mind, Dundee United at home, uh, Livingston home and away, and then St Mirren the other night. These are games that we've dropped points in and where, for me, we'd completely dominated possession. You look at the amount of corners we had, shots and goal, etc., etc. We've been talking about over this season, Jota being um, a throwback to David Ginola. Okay, hands up. That was my one, right? Uh, but us not having that target man in the middle. And it's my kind of understanding that we wouldn't even have to change the way that we play. It's not like I'm saying, bring in a target man, go long and all that kind of stuff. Play the way you're playing, and, and with that striker of that mould in the box, then you would expect to score more goals. There's there's a part of me thinking that Yakamakis was that signing, Amy. I don't know if that was 
what we were kind of planning on with him. I, I, I've watched the show reels like everyone else from last season, where he was prolific in the Dutch league. Um, he can score goals with his head. We've not really seen it since he's, he's come to Celtic. Stop starting mm-hmm. career so far. Apparently, he'll be back after the winter break. Um, but my take on it also is a wee while ago, you might remember on the podcast, me saying that we should bring back Henrik Larson as a striking coach, right? <laughs> and the usual, what are you talking about? What's he ever done in management? We should employ the best people for the job, not the old pals act, et cetera, et cetera. But it was at the time when Neil Lennon was under severe. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Stress. It was under severe criticism, and it might also have worked as some kind of foil for him. Because let's not forget, Neil Lennon was working with someone else's backroom team as well. You know, he had the same kind of scenario as Ange when he came into the job. And my suggestion back then is get Larson in. It's a kind of confidant for, for Neil Lennon, but also you're going to learn off of a guy like Ken Larson, surely. Uh, a striker-specific coach. Again, am I just being too fashioned, Amy? Uh, too old-fashioned, even, to think that you can play two up top and have a striker coach that used to play with Celtic that might actually help us score more goals because we're certainly creating the chances. I don't know. Um, I think it's. I think it's something I would be quite open to to Celtic trialing. Um, we kind of spoke about it a little bit, but before we came on, and Tony hit the nail on the head, and I think we'll all know it. Celtic just aren't clinical enough. Um, and I don't know if that would help. Then having the two up top, I appreciate probably under Ange, he's really even had one striker to choose from, never mind two, yeah. um, which probably a, a, a massive factor in five of maybe not seen two up top. But um, yeah, we'll go back to the that that one. I remember being on, on the podcast with, with Tony that he got a bit of stick because yeah, Kyogo scored a hat trick, but he was like, yeah, but he could have had two or three. Um, and again, he spoke about it just before we came on, but I, I remember that day really vividly. But it was the comments because they were just like, oh, Tony, shut up, you're just being so harsh. But it was true because yeah, hat trick, great, but look at how many clear chances he's missing in the in the in the long run as well. So perhaps that would be a. a a solution. Um, I definitely would be open to it if it would maybe not be Henrik Larson. Um, so I, I don't know if it would be, it'd be great. But yeah, um, I think it would be something a little bit left field. Um, but but I'd be up for it. Tony, we're all about left field. That's fine. We can we can deal with that, right? Um, what do you think about that? You know, my suggestion back then was Larson. He went on to be the assistant to somebody else uh, at not a bad level, I've got to say. But what if an ex-Celtic striker came in um, as a striker coach? Is this romanticism? I mean, we've got them. We've got the likes of Larson and Hartson and players like that. Well, well, do you know what? The manager the past few games has banged on about the lack of a cutting edge and, you know, the lack you know, missing chances and not being clinical enough. Mm-hmm. So if that's going through his head, 
it's not the worst shout. You know, I've always said players have positions for a reason. It's their specialism. Why wouldn't you ask the question? You know me, I like to ask the question of Henrik Larson and say, or a John Hartson, somebody maybe trying to cut their teeth in management or do no, this is this guy, these guys' specialisms. I'm picking them two out the top of my head just because you mentioned Larson and Hartson maybe trying to get a job in, in football management or whatever. But if it's their specialism, then you can transfer that onto others, can't you? Because they were very good at it. You know, Henrik Larson had 242 goals in 315 games for Celtic. There's no many better. So go and ask the question or go and ask someone of that ilk, would you be interested? Because we are missing far too many chances. The manager is blissfully aware of that as well. So I don't know if it's something that he's maybe thinking long term to get a striking coach and if that's something that's part of, you know, the shake-up that's coming come January to get different guys and different specialisms. At the moment, He's kind of t- he was talking about the sports science of mm-hmm. it all, wasn't he? He was getting his uh, building blocks in place there. But the offshoots of that are things like, okay, look at the stats. Why are we having 32 shots at goal and only scoring two and three goals? You know? Who, Absolutely, who, Tony. But who's, look at who's best to solve that problem? Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at it and say, do we need a specialist in that area? Let's go to the very top then. Guys that have an affinity with the club, people that were good at sticking the ball in the net. You know, and, and if you want to be romantic about it, then... Larson and Hartson are the guys that tick that romantic box. But if Angie's detached from it and he knows a better striker that can come in or somebody of repute, then I would trust his judgment in that as well. You say to your strikers, right, you're scoring two and three out of 30 odd, 20 odd. Let's get that ratio higher. Because as I said, and, and as you said there, Amy, about the Kyogo criticism, the Kyogo criticism of missing chances wasn't him per se. It was about the days when St Mirren come along. Yeah. When you badly need a goal and you are profligate in front of goal. We only needed one. No, that's the point you made at the time. That's the point I was making at the time. And yeah. as I said, people were going off their head because I said Keo could have had a double hat trick. There was method behind my statement, which I qualified earlier by saying I always give reason, professionalism, whatever you want to call it, behind it. Don't just pluck it out the air or say things for effect. And that was the point I was making because I knew fine well there was going to become a night like St Mern or a day like St Mern where they needed a goal and they weren't going to get it. And that was the point. So that if you have someone and specialist in that arena to train these guys to be even more clinical, then it becomes second nature, doesn't it? It does. Bang, it's in the net. Nobody asks questions. And that's what I was talking about. And I think that's what Ange wants, that whole slick, well-oiled machine it's getting there and he knows that that's an area that could improve and be better a few points on that Tony uh, we had a, a big advantage on our goal difference we no longer have that we're a goal better off than Rangers so you know over a period of time that's been clawed back it's because we're, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're not putting teams to the sword yeah. you know so um, that speak for themselves then don't they yeah. The other thing I was going to mention was, yeah, romanticism's great, but I also get the other side of the argument. What if there's better you know, people within that those positions who can come into the club who have no affinity with the club? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ange Postacoglu had no affinity with Celtic Football Club until he came in. So I get that as well. But I do like the, the thought of 
you know, even when a young guy is in two minds as to who he signs for, and he's got some interest, and he's from a Celtic supporting family, he's got some interest from Man United down south, and Celtic are interested, and there's a knock on the door, and it's it's a Celtic hero or his dad's Celtic hero who's at the door, because I know that they do that with Ajax. You know, they they, they have got a number of ex players who are part of that whole recruitment who have got another role at the club, and also, you know, let's go back to that argument. We've never for a long time. Um, produced a goal-scoring striker at Celtic. You know, that's another thing. So that it's not just the, the two or three strikers that you're going to be working with. It's the entire crop of strikers that you're going to be working with. Very much like a goalkeeper coach. He works with every goalie at the club, right? And it would be the same as that. So, you know, it goes right down the channels, Tony, right down to the B team, right down to the youth teams, whereby, yes, you know, we're actually reading our own strikers as well and who better to, to learn from than some of the great names that we've just mentioned. I'm just throwing it out there guys and girls and uh, let us know what you think I'm sure you will and uh, we'll get some of the comments up here here you go here's the two ends of the scale so Paula comes in Paula Brown six points behind guys let's not load and too much right and then if you compare that with Brown Warrior we are six points adrift of a settled championship winning side that never lost a game last season, I'd say he's well ahead of planning. So you do have the two sides of the argument there, uh, neither of which I'm saying is right or wrong. But McGrory comes in to mention that the window will be massive in January, which I absolutely agree with. And John agrees that we need at least six players. Now, we have seen the names mentioned coming in from Japanese football, Dyson uh, Maeda, Ryo Hatate, and Yosuke Aideguchi. And I'm hoping I'm getting the names right. Um, Maeda, second striker, centre forward, left wing. So that's another option for the left wing position. Atate can play left back, left wing, central midfield is his main area that he plays. And Aideguchi, central midfield, attacking midfielder. You bring the three in and they're certainly plugging some gaps, Amy, but I don't think it's enough. What's your thoughts? No, it's not enough. Um, I think John Sweeney's right. He's six players, it sounds a lot, but when you think of it, it's... You know, it is about right. Um, I think, for starters, you need another goalkeeper. Um, despite Barkas playing yesterday, you know, I think he's still, if not get offloaded in January, I think he'll be away in the summer. The biggest worry that we've kind of said for the, probably the first six months of the season is, my God, what if something happens to Hart? Where are we at? Obviously, it was Ben during the week and then it was Barkas at the weekend. So um, we've seen kind of the effects of that. So you're, I don't think... I think it's pretty obvious that we're probably not going to get somebody the calibre of, of Joe Hart to just come and be in the number two at Celtic. But you need a, a stable enough kind of replacement. Um, so that that's definitely where you're looking. Obviously, you're looking for the three guys at top as well. Midfield, it was always kind of been the strongest point and then it went for a little bit of a worry. Um, but I think kind of what we're saying about you know, revitalising the career of, of Nier Beaton. It's kind of a whole new signer. You know, yesterday was so effective in that that, that role um, and the leadership role as well. But, you know, you're, you're talking about, like, being clinical. That's the biggest goal threat I've seen Nier Beaton be. Um, I think we've been on about it a few times, uh, Tony and I particularly, but Beaton doesn't score enough headers for me. You know, the guy's massive. There was two I think two standout really opportunities yesterday that I think he certainly should have scored. Uh, one in particular that just kind of went over the bar. Um, but you know he should be a he should be a vocal point. It's another one as well. I think Carter Vickers should probably be scoring more goals from from set pieces. Well, I think Celtic and and, and the whole should be scoring more goals from set pieces. But 
yeah, Beaton one took his goal really well yesterday and it was totally deserved, but it was deserved because I felt that he was actually a goal threat. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's he's a massive partner of, of Boston Coglu and, you know, we have kind of joked around that we can't believe that, you know, next year's a, a testimonial for Beaton, but if, if he carry on playing like this and he's absolutely going to get it and it's certainly going to be deserved if the performances like this stay up, um, it's... It's, it's magnificent to be honest so yeah I'd say probably as well a few more uh, another couple probably defenders Julian's I think a, a man down still right now I don't think you can even really class him as a Celtic player because he's just so far out of the, the picture and for me Starfelt I know it's a discussion for another day probably don't have enough time for that but I still think for me he makes just too many mistakes right now but it is going to be a big window I do think we're going to need more than just the three Japanese guys Um but yeah, you probably are looking towards six, like like John Sweeney said. Yeah, and that is quite ambitious for Celtic in a January in any January transfer window. Uh, talking about some of the experienced players that Amy uh, spoke about there, Tony Ange Postecoglou said when talking about Tom Rogic that Tom knew we needed him today. We needed Neil Beaton and James McCarthy the more experienced guys in the team, to guide us through, and I thought they were great. You look at Beaton, this is his ninth season in a Celtic uh, jersey. Um, possibly having the finest season uh, in a Celtic jersey, to be fair. This is Tommy Rogic's 10th season. So I keep going on about next season's a testimonial year. Tommy Rogic's in his 10th season at Celtic, um, and he's only ever once played 40 or more games. That was in 2017-18. It does look as though he's, he's on track to play that kind of level of football this season. Um, so people give, you know, plaudits to Ange for all the new signings that he's brought in, Tony. But look at these guys that he's revitalised. It's an incredible job he's done. Without a doubt. And I think it's no surprise that Neil Beaton and Tom Rogic are shaping up to have their finest season in the Celtic jersey. And I'm with Amy on this. Neil Beaton's a Harlem Globetrotter. He should be getting his head to everything. You know what I mean? He should just put it up there and he should be... Honestly, I've never seen a man so big be so ineffective in the air. Especially when he's putting his head on corner kicks, you're thinking, big man, behave yourself. You know what I mean? That's, you should be planting them in the net. That's, that should be a real threat. People should be worried about near Beaton. And Beaton should be working on that and saying, right, I'm going to run around. I'm going to try and lose my marker. Put it up there. I'll contest it. You know, that's the one bugbear or another bugbear when he fancies himself and he's getting a conceit of himself and he plonks the ball down for the free kick. You say to yourself, oh, don't kid yourself, man. You, you hit one every Haley's Comet, you know. But I thought he was terrific yesterday. And he scored the hardest chance that he got, yep. funnily enough. But he took it really, really well. And as I said earlier, he's having a purple patch and a wee renaissance in his Celtic career. Again, going back to it, it's all down to the manager, in it? Putting faith in him and telling him, you're a vital cog in this machine. And the manager was right yesterday. Three of our best players in the part in the first half. Well, Roderick, Beaton and McCarthy. Mm-hmm. McCarthy's performance yesterday was kind of flew under the radar. We see some of the long balls he picked out to the strikers, especially in the first half, faded a bit in the second half. But some of the long passing Enough. was, was Premiership quality. I'm talking about English Premiership quality. And it kind of went under the radar, as I say, because of the likes of the way Roderick played, the way Beaton played, and the way Abada played. Abada should have had a hat-trick either side of the the, the interval, he runs through and Keo makes a good save, he runs through again, Keo makes a good save. You know, he puts either of them away, he, he claims his first hat-trick in a Celtic jersey, 
That's why I want players to be more clinical. Go and get that hat trick. Concentrate and putting it in the net, not just on target, in the net, and you'll get your hat trick. And it's just wee subtle nuances like that, that someone, as you see, maybe a specialist coming in, can, can turn that two goals into a hat trick, can turn that 3 1 into 4 1, 5 1, can turn the 0 0 against St. Martin into a 1 0 or a 2 0. You know, and if Celtic can do that, then they are well ahead of schedule. I know they're still six points behind Rangers. Granted, get that. But you're either a glass half empty or a glass half full. I think most Celtic supporters would have taken that. One in the first trophy of the season and a competitive six behind or slightly less behind Rangers. But it's still in their own hands. You know, and if your destiny's in your own hands and you've got a vital transfer window coming in January, and bearing in mind everything that Celtic have had flung at them this season, in terms of injuries, in terms of COVID, you know, in terms of rebuilding the squad, you know, the managers just said, right, it's been a challenge from day one. We accept that. We don't moan. We get on with it. We don't stop. And they're no stopping. And thankfully, they're, they're still there or thereabouts and will be there or thereabouts come May. Absolutely. And we're not stopping. Axom, that is. Tony, <laughs> as we move into 2022, this will be our fifth year in operation a Celtic State of Mind and uh, you'll be familiar with the faces of Tony Haggerty, Amy and the other contributors who come into the, the bulletins on a daily basis at 12.30 and cover the games also uh, but as we move into 2022 keep an eye out for more pre-produced um, content on our YouTube channel if you've not done so already get on there subscribe it's all free and we'll have some more kind of new year footage for you as well that isn't a live stream that will be fully produced far more of that coming to to you on uh, on a daily basis next year in 2022 i don't want to leave it on a, a negative um, so we'll take this as tongue-in-cheek from the prophecy never mind henrik larson jesus could make a player out of a yeti um well you know Yeti might be one of the ones that leaves the building in January, I think, just for his own benefit. He's an international player. I think his stock's still quite high in Switzerland. Maybe a move back to Baal or somewhere around about there would be good for him. It would be good for Celtic. And we can all move on from that. But I tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the comment section on the social media channels. And thank you to Amy Canavan and Tony Haggerty for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Network.